Welcome to the Leadership Antidote Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Kim. Happy New Year, Leadership Antidote family. So for the last few weeks, I've been having some fun on TikTok. Yes, I finally caved in and joined TikTok. If you don't follow me, you should. I'm at Dr. Kim Hires. We have lots of fun. Um, so I received a question the other day where the person asked, is it normal that their organization has already received seven resignations and it's only the beginning of the year? I prepared to reply and realized I need to unpack this in more than 60 seconds. So that question is the inspiration for this episode. So for my first episode of 2021, I'm going to go there and I hope leaders are ready. I don't know about you, but I changed the rules for myself this year. Usually I love December 31st into January 1st. That's my wedding anniversary for one. But this year, making it to 2021 felt extra special. We made the best of it at home. We stayed up. We counted down. We were filled with gratitude for being able to see another year. Relief was finally coming, right? Yeah. And then January 6th happened at the Capitol in Washington, D.C., I don't know about any of you, but that moment for me was like a wound ripping back open. It had finally started to close and then that day happened. We're human. We feel. And that was too much for me. So my family and I, we said, start over. Uh, We packed up. We went and spent a little over a week at the beach. Uh, Granted, we were holed up in a condo or flat for my international listeners. I had a view of the water and that's all I needed. See, I've lived within 20 minutes of water for most of my life. And so for me, it helps me to reset. I hear it. I see it. I smell it. It's cleansing and it gives me a fresh start. One of the things that made 2020 so hard was we lost our ability to engage in rituals and have cues for our usual time markers throughout the year. Spring didn't feel like spring. Summer didn't feel like summer. The holidays felt strange. They felt void. And that does something to you. If people are on edge, it's because their rituals and cues were gone pile on different stressors, and we are all powder kegs just waiting for a spark. Our end of the year trip is our ritual for starting the new year. We recharge, we reconnect, and and allow ourselves to breathe. It also gives us an opportunity to plan for the following year. So our impromptu trip to the beach gave my brain a chance to say, oh, now the new year can begin because she took her real break by the ocean. So February 1st was New Year's Day for me this year. I've literally been walking around wishing people Happy New Year and not caring if they look at me strange. Listen, it's a hill I'm willing to die on because it gave me my sanity back. So Happy New Year. All right, here goes. We are in a time when leaders of organizations in all industries need to be concerned. If you go back and listen to my previous episodes, you see that I started to warn leaders in May, May of 2020, I said, 
The employees who left at the start of the pandemic are not going to be the same employees who return. We are experiencing a collective trauma. Trauma changes people. They will need a different kind of leader when they return. So my short answer to the TikTok user question is yes, this is a critical phase and your organization needs to take it as a warning. They are about to hemorrhage talent, not just leak, not trickle, hemorrhage talent. Here's why. There's a model called the collective disaster response curve. It's a model charting the phases throughout which, which a community moves in the wake of a trauma. So the DSM-5 defines trauma as actual or threatening death or serious injury or sexual violence. You can be exposed to the trauma. You can witness the trauma. Even repeated or extreme indirect exposure to details of the event can have an impact. So when we look back at 2020, we had the COVID pandemic. We had Black Lives Matter protests. We had politics. We had the rise in hate crimes and assaults towards Asians since the start of the pandemic. And so many other headline events had an impact on the world last year. Schools were closing, right? We dealt with some really heavy stuff last year. And I've been working with leaders to help them understand that our conceptual understanding of an event may need to shift. Think of the last year or the last few years as a disaster. But historically, when we think of disasters, we think of natural disasters, right? We think of them as one and done or only happening for a short period of time, like a couple days. Think of how we respond to employees after an earthquake or a Category 5 hurricane or a tsunami. Think of how your organization responds with a lot more empathy, right? So my question is, how are the events of 2020 any less traumatic? A mental health practitioner by the name of Diane Myers articulated it beautifully. She's a fellow nurse, by the way. She wrote, massive destruction and terrible sights evoke deep feelings. Organizations have been treating these events like individual traumas, demanding resiliency and a return to normal for the survival of the organization. That won't work. What we experienced was a collective trauma. If we just look at 2020 alone, that was a collective trauma. Erickson, the famous psychologist, described individual trauma as a blow to the psyche that breaks through one's defenses so suddenly and with such brutal force that one cannot react to it effectively. For collective trauma, he said it's a blow to the basic tissues of social life that damages the bonds attaching people together and impairs the prevailing sense of communality. Excuse me, Ed. <laughs> Bolin and Bolton argued that collective trauma can sever the social ties of survivors with each other and with their community. So when you think about it within the microcosm of an organization, why do you think anyone is going to come bouncing back into the office? And why do you think that anyone can maintain performance levels prior to all of this? People are feeling it all around. That's the reality. 
All right, so let's go back to the disaster response curve. Most countries are approaching their six month or their one year anniversary of battling COVID on top of everything else. So that's sufficient time to look back and map the phases of this disaster. I like the adaptation of the disaster response curve by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. That was a mouthful. <laughs> so that adaptation has six phases. Phase one is the pre-disaster phase. Pre is just as it sounds, before the disaster. So this is where we may or may not have had warning. I'm not going to get into that political argument. Okay, phase two is the impact phase. It's characterized by a range of intense emotional reactions. There's a great deal of variation in emotional reactions that depends on how we're perceiving and interpreting the disasters in front of us. Some people panicked and emptied store shelves and hoarded toilet paper. Others pleaded for everyone to stay calm and didn't change anything about their daily lives. Okay, so huge variation there. Phase three is the heroic phase. And I think we remember this phase very well because there's a sense of altruism and people are engaging in rescue behaviors. We went through this phase, right? Health professionals volunteering to support colleagues, businesses donating, organizational PR had a blast with this, right? Emails were flooded with, we will get through this together, right? Then we entered into phase four. Phase four is the honeymoon phase assistance is available. The mantra becomes even louder. We'll get through this together. People are optimistic that everything will return to normal quickly. Teachers were heroes. Nurses and physicians were saints. This, and the thing is, there isn't much of a difference between the heroic phase and the honeymoon phase, right? It's just like, oh, everything's wonderful. But what goes up must come down. What goes up must come down. Phase five, the disillusionment phase. It's the complete opposite of the honeymoon phase. There's no we at the start of the sentences anymore. People are more discouraged. Negative reactions start to become more common. The scary thing is the disillusionment phase can last significantly longer than the other phases. It can last anywhere from months to years. If you think back to our honeymoon phase, that lasted for a few weeks, right? But disillusionment can last for months to years. And the interesting thing about this phase is that it can be extended by one or more trigger events. And then the final phase is phase six. It's the reconstruction phase. In this phase, communities actually work through the grief and begin to rebuild and people accept the new normal and they want to move forward. Here's why that TikTok question resonated so much with me, because I think we're in the disillusionment phase, phase five. We entered this phase in November or December and we had our first trigger event on January 6th. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I think we're going to be here for a few more months, only because we weren't that strong before entering phase one. Think of the state you were in. I don't even need to go into the state that the country was in before we entered phase one, but think of the state that you were in as a leader before COVID. And it's funny because I really had to stop myself 
you know, and think, can we even remember that phase, right? You already had stressors. So to be clear, a stressor can be events or environments that individuals might consider demanding, challenging, or threatening to individual safety. So in my work, burnout was already a condition that was caused from prolonged interactions with stressors. People were already on the burnout spectrum before we even started to deal with COVID. So we went into the disasters of 2020 already behind. So it's not surprising to me that people are starting to turn in resignations. People are at their breaking points. They are in survival mode and have zero tolerance for workplace politics right now. You have people or members of your workforce that survived COVID, supported loved ones battling COVID, or lost people they knew to COVID. Have you stopped to think about what this past year has done to families and relationships? Last April, interest in divorce rates were already up by 34%. In the United States, most states went under lockdown by about mid-March, and by April, people were already demonstrating an interest in divorce rates by looking up, how do I get a divorce? A dysfunctional household or an unhappy household is significantly more tolerable when everybody has some place to go. But when everyone is home and you're dealing with all of the pressures of everything else going on around you, suddenly having everyone home for the last 10 months, it gets exhausting. For the first time, divorced couples are having to factor in COVID exposure behaviors in custody agreements. Suddenly designated weekends need to have some stipulations. Listen, people are dealing with real problems and that kind of trauma changes people's priorities. It's in these moments that you don't need harsher policies. You can't hold anyone's feet to the fire. Threatening people with their jobs couldn't be any more useless right now. Emotionally, they are screaming, I need to survive. And they are awakening to the fact that they may not have been fully living. Two very powerful moments in self-awareness that are life altering. Take it from a coach. And they will choose their survival and their growth over the organization from this point forward. And organizations that did not have healthy cultures prior to this are going to feel it. They are going to hemorrhage talent unless they start treating their employees as assets instead of liabilities. You're dealing with people, not machines. A machine has never had to worry, but people do. A machine has never had to overcome obstacles, but people have. People are complex, beautifully complex. That's why policies meant for machines don't work. And until we have leaders ready to embrace that and lead as human-based leaders instead of performance-based leaders or profit-based leaders, it's going to be dark days for some organizations. And I mean that. You can mark this day that I made that prediction. As a coach, I've learned to celebrate conflict. Even in my own personal relationships, I've learned to celebrate conflict because the conflicts that we're seeing or anytime that you see conflict, it means that there's a need to grow. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong or the relationship is going in a harmful direction. It means that it's time to grow. Something no longer fits somewhere and it's time to grow. And the truth is growth isn't a glamorous process. We've commoditized it, right, with personal development, but it's when it's done right, it's not a glamorous process. It's not glamorous. It's painful. It's splitting and it's rough, but it's necessary. We need a new era of leadership. Practices that were used to keep previous generations in line, listen, it, <laughs> it will not work on the current workforce and the future workforce. Add this collective trauma at a level that we have not seen in over a hundred years, and it's counterproductive to keep doing what we've always done. That's why the resignations are coming. People are over it. They are done betraying themselves. So this season, I'm highlighting some real powerhouse leaders who built their entire careers by leading differently. They're going to tell us what they did, where they messed up, what we need to do and how we can do it to survive the revolution that's happening with the future of work. Younger Gen X, millennials and Gen Zs, they are not asking anyone's permission. And I think it's beautiful. And if you don't believe me, okay, Reddit, GameStop and Wall Street. And I'll stop there. Until next time. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, share, and comment. You can also head over to www.drkimhires.com to learn about additional ways to connect with Dr. Kim. Join us next time to get another dose. Thanks for listening.